0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your Wholesale Sourcing Expert here on February nineteenth, two 2020 on a cold day in Jackson Hole. It was minus 20 this morning. Um, But it's beautiful. There's not a cloud in the sky, and that's why it's so cold. When it's really pretty, it's cold. Um, So let's get started. I'm going to jump right in because this is like my favorite topic in the world, talking about sourcing wholesale products. I have been doing it for over 30 years, first for a brick and mortar store I owned, and then for eBay. And then when um, Amazon started allowing third-party sellers, um, I started using these techniques for products on Amazon. So this is how I did it. This is how I still do it. Um, A few things are different, sourcing for Amazon versus sourcing say for a brick and mortar store or for your own website for that matter. So uh, we'll talk about the differences as we go along. But first of all, don't let anybody tell you there's nothing out there left to sell, because there is. Um, We see that a lot in other groups where they'll say, oh, all the good stuff is taken, there's nothing left to sell. Well, it's not true. There is still plenty of product out there. There's new products coming out every day. There's new great products coming out, and it's our job to find them. Um, if it was e- this was easy, everybody would be doing it. But um, I find it far easier than trying to tromp through doing retail arbitrage, and even online arbitrage, and struggle with the IP complaints and all of that. So um, first of all, let's talk about how you find products. And I'm going to tell you guys I'm an aberration in that I don't use um, any software products to look for products. Um, and I know I'm an aberration, just and I do it this way because it's how I've always done it and it's working for me. So um, so I'm not going to diss any products that people use to drill down the stuff. But the thing about one thing about all these things like Helium 10 and Keepa and Jungle Scout, and I can't remember all the rest of them, um, is that they only work for products that are currently on Amazon. Um, and I think half of your, your business, or at least half of my business comes from bringing products to Amazon. So those, those would mean nothing for me. Um, it wouldn't tell me if the product's going to go. That comes from experience. So I'm going to tell you how I do it. First of all, um, I go to lots of trade shows. I love trade shows. I think they are a great place to find products. But if you can't go, it doesn't mean you can't find products. Um, I have found one of my best-selling products by just Google searching the general niche that the, in arts and crafts that this product is in, looking for suppliers in that niche, and then going back and looking to see if they are on Amazon. And most of them in this niche were already on Amazon, but I found one that was not. And so I sent the, the uh, found their website, The products look great, sent the owner an email. um, And he said to me, gee, Amazon has been calling me about every three months, and they want to sell my stuff. But I really don't, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right getting involved with Amazon. He says, but I'd love to have my products on Amazon. So then after that initial email, we talked on the phone a couple times, and I explained to him what I can add for him, and I'll get into that in a minute, um, what I told him. And he said, let's give it a try. And I've been selling for three years now their products. They're a fabulous product in this niche. Um, he designs them all they um, They are all shipped from his warehouse in the upper Midwest. so it's it's a great thing. I probably sell ten thousand dollars a month just of his products now, um, which is pretty fabulous, you know. Oh, and Greg's funny. I still probably still use an abacus and a slide rule or an abacus and a slide rule. I remember having to learn to use a slide rule in school. My God, it was hard, and I couldn't get past like figuring out pi. It was like it was really hard. Um, And I can remember—I'm old enough when calculators, handheld calculators, first came out, and how expensive they were. I was in college at the time, and boy, that was just a, a life changer. Um, but I still try to do math in my head just to kind of keep the math thing fresh. So anyway, so contacting the supplier. Um, I, I am 50-50 about looking for stuff that's already um, on Amazon and stuff that is um, new, bringing new products to Amazon. And I think the only way you can successfully bring new products to Amazon is you have to know about those products, that niche, the people who use those products. So that's why I don't sell toys because I don't know anything about them. I wouldn't know what's current. Um, I wouldn't know any of that. So if you are looking to bring new products, you have, to, you have to know something about those products to know if they are good or not, to know if people want them or not, to know if they are useful or not. If you don't, it's just, you know, it's just a crapshoot. And you will make a lot of mistakes. If I tried to buy toys, I would make a lot of mistakes. Probably clothing would be the same thing for me too. I love fashion and all that, but I don't love the kind of clothing that sells on Amazon. It's not something I want to get involved in. So I don't. So remember this is going to be an education, just, not just in how to source, but actually the products themselves. Because you are going to live with these products. You are going to have to um, – make new listings for them. You might have to photograph them if if the uh, manufacturer doesn't have stock photos you can use. You are going to have to write descriptions. You are going to have to answer questions from um, prospective purchasers. You are going to have to deal with all of that kind of stuff. So make sure it is something you like. So so remember that trade shows are a huge bonus in that you have face-to-face interactions with the people involved with the product. But as I just described, email and a phone call can work too. Um, One thing I find that people get really um, disheartened is the first couple of products or vendors or manufacturers they contact, the numbers don't work on the product. And that's very, very true if they are products that are already on Amazon. Um, The product could already be at rock bottom. If it's a product that – that engenders a lot of retail arbitrage or online arbitrage, that could further force the price down below what you would pay for it. Um, be aware that if it's a super popular product line, there are probably counterfeiters out there working on it as we, would, as we speak. You wouldn't think in arts and crafts you'd have to worry about counterfeit products, but with the big names in the field, you do. So it's something you have to be aware of. So. So say you found a company that, that um, it looks like it's doable. Um, the products could be on Amazon or could not. So what do you do next? next thing is you just have to contact them. Um, I don't love talking on the phone, so I usually make the first contact um, either by email or by the Contact Us form on their website. A lot of them will have a Contact Us. And it, sometimes it will open up your mail client. Sometimes it will send the message directly. But you'll need, to, you'll need to do that. Do what is comfortable with you to begin with. But then if the, the person on the other end says, let's talk about it on the phone, then you have to buck up and talk about it on the phone. They don't just want to, um, to do it back and forth by email. They probably want to feel you out and see, see if they like how you come across and um, how you present yourself to them, which leads to another thing. Um, And this, I think this is controversial with some people, but I notice it all the time. And that is you need to get the domain name for your business, whether for me it's the Anderson Group, which is the overarching company that owns my business, or what your store name, whatever. But you really, really have to have something that is not Susie at gmail At this point it'd probably be Susie Smith nine seven six five two seven four at gmail But you really need um, you really need to invest in that domain name so you can have that email address. Um, otherwise you won't be, I don't think you're taking this seriously. I know when I get emails from my suppliers that have websites, but they still use Gmail as an email address, it just boggles my mind. It's like, okay, you have a website. You could set up Susie Smith at mystore.com quite easily, but they don't. I think it looks, to me, it reeks of lack of attention to detail. And I don't I don't enjoy working with people who don't focus on details. That's that's me. There's I'm sure there's lots of other businesses out there, but get the domain name and get the email set up with that same domain. Okay. Make it you know it could be gregbirchsellstuff.com, but it it needs to be something um, that looks more professional than Gmail. And I know people will probably say, well, I've been selling for 20 years with Gmail. Yeah, but if you could do one simple change that would help you get other accounts, wouldn't you do it? I mean this is a pretty simple change. And then once you have that domain name, it makes it a lot easier to set up a one-page landing page. And my main one forwards directly to my Amazon store. So, my, so if people type it in from my business card, it will go to my Amazon store to um, to the um, to the Amazon store so they can see what I sell because I I'm not hiding anything um, um, Ed is asking he uses Comcast.net yes I've noticed that Ed so I'm, this one is is talking about you um, I got I get mine on GoDaddy so I buy the domain. Um, and we've talked about that. Get get the domain, and then they can set up the email for you. And most of the companies, Bluehost, HostGator, GoDaddy, all of them, um, will help you set up this email. So then it would be edmiller at edscompany.com, whatever your company name is. And Linda could have linda at edscompany.com, just like Jeff has jeff at amazon.com. Um, And Europa, you're Thalia, I think. I keep forgetting, but I think you're Thalia. Um, Anyway, she says, I didn't get any yeses from suppliers until I had my own domain. It cost me $5 a month and I have my own email. Yep, It is funny how perception plays such a a big part of this, especially if you are competing with someone else for that account. Like, oh Rebecca, I'm sorry Rebecca. Um, Geez. I apologize. Anyway, so um, yeah, for $5 a month and you now look really professional and people do take you more seriously. So, And then set up that domain forwarding um, to your Amazon store to start. At least it's a place to start to get that set up. Um, if you want, you can do a landing page that says rebeccasstore.com Um, and then has a clickable link, shop here, or something like that, and that would forward to your Amazon store. And that option would give you um, some space to say a little bit about your business and all that kind of stuff too. Um, And Greg says you don't have to have your website up in order to have the email. You just need to have the domain name entirely correct. Because I have several that I don't have a website for. I use for different purposes, different domains, and I set up the email for those. Um, and while you're at it, when you're setting up your email, make it a catch all account. In GoDaddy, it's really simple. It's just called catch-all account. Um, and that means anything that isn't um, directly addressed to another email. So let's use Ed an example. So he has Ed at edstore.com and Linda has Linda at LindaStore.com. If you set up that edstore.com domain as a catch all account, anything else that people address will go to whomever you designate, whether it would be Ed or Linda. And that way you can help filter mailing lists. And Ron is really good at this. He will set up, if he signs up for a new mailing list, he'll use that name at rondavison.com, and then he'll know if that gets sold because then it's gone to other places. So so if you can set up the catch-all account, it makes it easy to use different emails um, um, for the same domain um, for filtering purposes or whatever. You might want to use one particular email like mailing at edstore.com for all the mail lists you sign up for and then you can filter those in your email client to a different mailbox and then you can whip through those instead of having to whip to go through your whole inbox to get rid of the junk so um having a dom- your own domain gives you a lot of options in that way so um get your domain get your email set up and then then you can work on the website it's not you know that's doesn't uh, stop you from um getting the email set up. So, um, so I, I, I use GoDaddy, Ron uses someone else. There was a big uh, thread in the group about two weeks ago about website hosting and all that. There were a lot of um, people mentioned who they use and all that. So search for that, that post in the group and it will give you some options. I stuck with GoDaddy just because I stuck with GoDaddy. It works. Um, I know it's not the cheapest option, but um, I signed up for it ages ago. Where each of my domains gets gets free email, and you know there were some advantages. So I'm I'm sticking with it just because I've stuck with it. Um, there'd have to be a real compelling reason for me to change things. So, so you've got you've got your email set up. You contact the person. Um, Ed mentioned that he sent a a message to a prospective supplier through their contact us form, and they haven't heard back. And he says, "Should I pick up the phone?" And I kind of say, "Yeah." Even though I know you hate the phone, Ed, I hate the phone. I think, yeah, you might have to. It could be the person on the other end hates email. It could be that it got lost somewhere, um, you know, in their spam filter or whatever. Um, So. You need to, yeah, make, make the call and um, get started that way. And once you've made the call, they may then want to go back to email for everything else. I, I found that um, vendors who have boomers as their management teams and that's me um, we tend to um, be very detail-oriented and uh, want to have records of stuff, and so email will work whereas I found companies run by younger entrepreneurs are fine with just a text or a quick phone call or whatever to get it done. Uh, it's a whole different thing. And because we're working with this whole spectrum of suppliers, um, we kind of have to be a little more flexible than, um, than they are, especially when we're trying to get them to accept us as a client basically which is kind of funny that um, if we were a brick and mortar store it would not make one bit of difference any of this because they'd have a sales rep coming around to our store begging us to take their products but the whole amazon thing makes this a very different proposition than you know if you owned a clothing store in um in your local mall, and you'd have sales reps coming in all the time. And it wouldn't be a question of should we sell to you, it'd be can we sell to you. But this is the game we signed up for, so this is what we play. Um, so the next thing when you are contacting these suppliers is you got to tell them you are an Amazon seller. You can't avoid this. You need to tell them up front um, so you don't waste their time, and you don't waste your own time also. Um, because it could be that um, that they have an exclusive with another seller on Amazon, and it's a total waste to get in this back and forth negotiation um, if they don't know um, you, that you are plan to sell on Amazon. Some of them may be working to sell on Amazon themselves. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different reasons. So don't do the back and forth and, you know, talk to them and and all that and say, oh yeah, by the way, I sell on Amazon. Don't say that till the last. I always say, I'm a 100% online seller. I sell on several marketplaces, Amazon, eBay, now Etsy, because I had my first Etsy sale yesterday, eBay, Etsy, and my own website. Is that a problem? And I've had some say, not a problem at all. We want to get on Amazon. I've had some say, oh, Amazon sucks. I'd never have my products on Amazon, which I think is about the stupidest thing a vendor could ever say. If you don't want somebody else selling them on Amazon, fine, but sell them yourself on Amazon. I had one vendor that did that, and I, it, it boggled my mind that, okay, I understand that you don't want somebody else, and I told her, but why wouldn't you want to sell them yourself in the world's biggest marketplace? Well, it's just cheap crap on Amazon, was her answer, and she's like, Okay, you know sometimes there's no arguing um uh about anything, and this one wasn't worth the time. It wasn't a huge product line, it wasn't someone I wanted to deal with, so I let that one go. but don't hide it um, and if once you tell them that, they'll let you know, yeah, we're not accepting any more Amazon sellers, but we will keep you in mind if something happens, maybe somebody goes out of business or whatever. Um, and put something in your calendar, and I mean literally put it in your calendar, don't just think about it, to get back to them in 3 months, or 6 months, or whatever. Um, if, it's not, if it's not in your calendar you are not going to remember it, or you will remember it but can't remember how long ago it was. Just put it in your calendar to check again. Because it could be somebody stopped selling on Amazon and they have an opening, and you could be the person that takes that on. Um, so here's the big one, and I think this next step is the most important step of all of this, besides finding the good product. But why should, they, why should they allow you to sell their products on Amazon? Why you in particular? Let's assume that they understand it's important to sell on Amazon. So I think there's a couple reasons. And one is I'm me, and here's what I can offer and I tell them what my values, values to their company can be. What can I offer that no one else can Or what can I offer and do better than someone else? And this will be different for a lot of people. Um, the basics will be the same, but of a lot of it will be different. Um, so here's a few things that I tell them. First of all, if you have MAP I will adhere to your MAP, your minimum advertised price. Um, obviously this, this applies in the US, doesn't apply to John. Um, unless things have changed with Brexit, John, about this whole MAP thing in the UK, I'm not sure. But anyway, So I, I'm very clear that I will adhere to MAP. It's not something you're going to have to worry about, about with me. Because that's what a lot of, of companies are afraid of is the lowering of the perceived value of the product with the race to the bottom in pricing. Um, so that's the first one. second one is I, if their listings are already up on Amazon, I tell them that I will try my very best in conjunction with them to optimize these listings. Meaning, making sure the photos are great, making sure the title is great, making sure the bullet ports are great, making sure everything is accurate, getting rid of wrong information, all of that kind of stuff. I used to promise I would do this, but um, unless they are brand registered, you can't promise that anymore. So I say I will do my utmost. I will work as hard as anybody to get this done. Um, the, um, The deal with even if you are on the listing and fixing it, or have created the listing and want to optimize it or update it, those days are gone. So you cannot say, I promise I will. You can say, I will do my utmost. And I have to give a shout out to Karen Locker's team at Solutions for E-Commerce. They have helped me fix some product pages that I couldn't get done myself by contacting Seller Support. And I can only guess that it was with uh, flat file uploads. And I don't really care um, to learn flat file uploads. I have enough on my plate their team is good, they're responsive. They got it one done yesterday in less than twenty-four hours for me. And you know, so I think unless you love doing flat files and have oodles of time on your hands, I think finding someone to help with those difficult products can be really valuable. So never promise, but say you'll do your utmost to optimize those listings. Um, uh, The other big one that I do and I advertise everything. Um, is I say I will run sponsored product ads, meaning pay-per-click on Amazon, at my own expense. I don't guarantee how many I will run on their products. I don't guarantee what my bid rate will be. I don't promise them any of that, but I can guarantee them that I will run the ads. And I also explain to them that the ads only show if I'm in stock of the product, et cetera. So if they go to check up on you, they can You know, say why are you not? Why don't you have an ad for this? Well, my shipment's on the way into the warehouse, and it'll show up. So, so that's one thing. Um, I do advertise everything. Um, I did it before. I or currently do specific campaigns based on product lines, but I also use Ellie's trick about everything that she posted late last fourth quarter about advertising everything. Um, If you didn't see that, it's in the group. Uh, it is still paying off. Believe it or not, even after the holidays it's still paying off. So that's one I'm going to keep running. My cost of sale is under 3% on it. And we're talking you know, 5 digits of sales now just from that campaign that, that Ellie talked about. So, so if you're not doing that campaign, get, it, get in the group, find the, the link and do it. Um, it works. Um, it, I also tell vendors, I said if you have new products come to market, I'll create the product pages for you. You don't have to worry about doing it, um, and that could be taken in that, you know, um, this is off your hands now. We'll get it on Amazon. We'll do the very best possible page, and you don't have to deal with it. You just get me the pictures and the information about the products. Um, I have found vendors love that one because they just don't want to mess with it. You know, it's um, it's. Um, it's hard for them if they don't know what they're doing. Um, I have a vendor that I talk with about once a week um, and they say amazon is is their biggest benefit and their biggest nightmare, just all the stuff you know that goes on with it as a wholesaler, they don't sell themselves on amazon with but dealing with you know i p complaints and all sorts of stuff. believe it or not they um they have now finally decided that brand registry might be worth it for them. I've been working on it for four years to get them to do it, but I think they're finally realizing it. So, so say you've got you've you've laid out this what you can do for them kind of thing. Um, also, um, you might want to talk to about talk to them about payment about you know you're willing to pay. Um, when the order is shipped, or whatever you know, negotiate however works for them, um, to get your products. I, I never pay up front for products. I know in some niches, it is more common to pay before the product ships, but I don't. I would be very careful doing that. And to be honest, that one I would want credit card protection. Um, And I think Rebecca was the one who had that trouble. Rebecca, if you got that sorted out, put in chat about that vendor who sent you the totally different stuff and you were going to dispute it on your credit card, Um, um, let us know how that turned out. I would not pay up front with cash or wire, unless I had done business with the company for a long time. Protect yourself that way. A brand new supplier, no, I wouldn't wire them money. I'll, I'll pay them with a credit card for sure but I wouldn't wire them money. So so say you've got a vendor and they're still going back and forth, and they said, yeah, that sounds good and all that. What's the next thing you can tell them to convince them that you're the person that should take on their products? How about a trial period, meaning give me um, six months or three months and let's see how our relationship works. So that means they'll sell to you in that trial period. You get the products on Amazon. If they sell well, great. If they don't, then the vendor can say, yeah, it's not working for us. We have too many people, whatever their reason is. But it's better than a flat out no, right? Because if they are, um, if they are great products and start selling, you are going to be reordering from them. Um, if you have done what you said in fixing the product pages, um, running the ads, they are going to check on that stuff. Um, they will think twice about cutting off that trial period because it's working. right? Their idea, is, their, their whole goal is to sell products with as little hassle as possible. right? They just want to ship the product and be done with it. No drama, no hassle, no nothing. So if you can provide that, you can do what you promise, odds are, they will um, continue on. Um, and that gives them an out. One thing you have to remember in sourcing wholesale is you always have, they are always, it's always a trial period for you as the vendor because you can stop ordering from them tomorrow and be done. Unless you have signed a contract that says, I'll sell your stuff for five years, um, you, are, you can walk away at any time. And I've walked away from a few where I just stopped ordering because it wasn't worth it. The good companies will ask and say, hey, you have, we haven't seen you, haven't ordered from us in two months. What's going on? The ones that I think are really disorganized and inefficient, you'll never hear from again. So remember the trial is on their side. You always are in a trial period with, with the vendor, which is great for us. Um, Okay, Rebecca answers, she's still waiting on the chargeback decision. The supplier has until the 28th to skew it and then the bank will make the initial decision. Um, She's out $345. It was my third largest and final order from that company. Yep. They showed who they are and what they did by sending you stuff you didn't order and then not wanting to make it right. Yep. That to me is the be done. There's better companies out there for you. So fingers crossed that you get the money back. My guess is you will, um, because they didn't deliver what you ordered. That's, that's a pretty, uh, pretty fair thing in the, the credit card world um, to get your money back on. So, so if you really wowed this wholesale company, um, the benefits are showing from them because they are selling more product, they will get back to you and they will say, yeah, we want to keep you on. Or, you know, if things didn't work out, they may get back to you um, and say, sorry, it didn't work out. But at least you've tried. So um, I want to talk, the last thing I want to talk about um, before I open for questions is this whole Amazon exclusive thing, about getting an Amazon exclusive. Um, I go back and forth on this one a lot um, for a couple reasons. Ten years ago, um, it was a whole different ball game than it is now. There were far fewer sellers. Um, there were far fewer manufacturers who had their products on Amazon themselves. And so um, I had a lot of luck um, getting exclusives with small companies in the craft, arts and crafts niche who you know just developed a product line. and. Um, wanted to get it on Amazon but didn't know what to do. Um, I think that has changed a bit because um, Amazon is everywhere now. It's it's ubiquitous, and I have found that vendors don't want to lock themselves down to one person, at, at least formally. Because um, 10 years ago, we went through that whole thing about doing contracts and all kind of stuff. Well, that turns people off right away. So I have done, since that time, what I call handshake exclusives. Meaning I'm at a trade show, I find a new product, I meet someone, talk about it, you know, they want to get on Amazon. We kind of hit it off personality-wise and I'll say, can you give me a chance to be the only Amazon seller? Okay, and I don't call it exclusive. Can you give me a chance to be the only Amazon seller? Um, I said, I will do my very best to keep all of your products in stock on Amazon. And they'll either say, oh, no, 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 we don't want you to be the only one. We'll let anybody, or they'll think about it and say, yeah, I sort of understand. And This came to light at the last trade show. I have dinner every trade show with one of my vendors that I have a handshake Amazon exclusive. She brought her product line to market at a trade show I was at, and it was a great product line. And um, I asked her if I could be her only Amazon seller. She goes, yeah, let's try it and see. And we're now five years in, and I still am the only one. Um, But she said when she goes to – workshops for her side, meaning the vendor side, the wholesaler side, because they have those at trade shows too, she said it was obvious that a lot of wholesalers did not understand how Amazon worked, meaning they didn't understand that it wasn't like eBay where everybody has their own listing and it doesn't matter how many people are there and all that. She says she had to – Explain to several of them about how Amazon in an ideal, and I'm saying an ideal Amazon world, there is one product page for a product. For her gizmo number two, there is one product page, and that's it. So having more than one seller does nothing for her. As long as I am in stock, my price is reasonable, um, that's all she needs because she knows that everybody will be buying her product from that one page, as opposed to vendors who thought Amazon was more like we all had our own web page somehow within Amazon. And yeah, technically we've got Amazon stores, but I think you get where I'm going with this. It's very different um, than having our own websites. So I think part of your job and my job as we move through this process of. Being the only seller on Amazon is explaining um, how the Amazon marketplace works, how ideally Amazon there is only one listing for a product, not we all don't have a separate page for Gizmo number two. Gizmo number two has this one page and every seller's on there. And um, explain to them if you get too many Amazon sellers. That is the formula for the race to the bottom, devaluing their product um, that they've spent a lot of time and energy building a brand for, now making making it look like cheap stuff from China and all of that. So explaining to them the value from their side about having only one Amazon seller. What is in it for them? because you already know what's in it for you and you don't, they don't need to know that it helps your sales. They are not dumb. They are going to know that.
1: But what is in
0: it for them? Far easier to police um, counterfeits because if it's being sold by someone that other than me, well, it's either a retail arbitrage, an online arbitrage, or counterfeit because they are not buying from them. Um, also in this situation, um, I tell my vendors, even if they won't give me the, the, quote, exclusive, I explain to them how very important it is to have in their agreement with their, host, their retailers about um, if you sell on Amazon, we must have on file your Amazon store name, because so many times um, the, the name is very different for, that they sell to that shows up on Amazon, in my case it 's different because I sell under my corporate name, but I have my amazon store name it's, It is different so um, so impress upon them that if if you 're not the only seller to protect them because this is value you 're adding to them you 're educating them, which can only help you if they know more correct information because oh my God, you think it's bad in the seller world, the, the wholesaler world. There's even more incorrect stuff about Amazon going around. So educating them can only help you move their product. So explain to them how it works. Um, I try to not use any Amazon jargon because that um, that confuses people. So you have to sort of translate Amazon terminology into what they would see in selling to a brick-and-mortar store to make it relatable to them so how so how they can then process that and how it's going to work in this whole Amazon thing. Um, so uh, I have a question. Give me a second to get my glasses back on so I can read it. Um, Could you speak to talking with a vendor who has an exclusive agreement in place with another seller? There's a vendor I would like to carry, and they have an agreement with a seller who is only listing four of their products. Okay, that's a great example. So say they have 40 products in their product line, and this person is only listing four. It could be a couple of things. It could be that their exclusive agreement is only for those four products, and then you're wide open for the other 36 products. It could be that the, those four products are the only really fast selling products, and that's why this, this um, uh, seller wants to only sell those four. But they're not doing the wholesaler any good by not carrying the other 36. I mean, my, the ones that I have the um, exclusives with, I carry the whole product line. And the biggest one is about fifty products, and they all sell some faster than others. So I don't keep many of those in in stock. But yeah, so so the first thing I would do if I was in your shoes is I would ask the vendor: um, Is your agreement for the entire your entire product line with this other seller, or is it only for those four products? And then that gives you two ways you can go. If the agreement is only for um, the four products, then you can ask them, would you be willing to do a trial period for me for those other 36 products or for however many of that line you want to pick. If they say, no, our agreement with this seller is for all of our products, well then you need to gently explain to them that they are losing out on sales of 36 other products because the other seller isn't selling those. And that's not good for them because theoretically they're losing, do the math, what percent of their, um, their product line sales. So this one, because of that situation, is a good cut and dried one. So you have two options. They have the exclusive for all of them, and they're not selling them. Well, then you can ask for the opening. Or they only have the exclusive for four. You can ask for the opening there too. And the third option could be they only have four in stock now, and other is, more is coming in. That's also an option. Probably unlikely unless they're only a product line of like five or six products. That's just my um, um, my take on that. So uh, yeah, I hope that helped. If it didn't, get in chat and tell me what else. Um, I would try this one. this is one I would definitely go for because you've got good evidence, you've got a good situation. I would go for it. Um, John says one great concept to get a new business relationship without being pushy or salesy but professional is focus and focus on the other party is something in OSE. I have not heard this, John needs outcomes, solutions and evidence so John is in chat saying, identify what the other party needs, agree what the outcome would be if those needs can be met, explain the solution that would do this, and finally give it evidence why you are the one to delivered the solution. Okay, but I just talked for 42 minutes, so we could have said it in that one sentence. I'm going to have to look that up. That is, um, that's very cool, Knows. So guys, you can Google that. Um, Uh, That's very very cool. So Julie's asking do you sell products with no profit in line because you want to carry all the vendors product, but of course you have profit on some of them. Um, Yeah, I do in those exclusive agreements. Um, The products that have to sit a bit before they sell even if I only have one in the warehouse I probably don't make more than pennies on it, but the others that I sell dozens a day of far outweigh that. So that's a case of um, to keep that exclusive only seller agreement, I am willing to carry those that don't make money. I wouldn't do them if they lose money, and I, that's where I would have a talk with the vendor. But if I don't make money, I look at it as, as my, my cost of those other products that do make money. Um, the, the vendor needs to know Um, a couple things about Amazon that they aren't aware of. And doing that interview with the CNBC reporter um, um, helped me articulate this a bit about storage fees. Um, Because she had no idea that Amazon charged us storage fees. And when I said I only try to keep 30 days products in the warehouse, she says, well, why is that? And I said, well, because we're charged. And I sent her through email, the, um, the link to what it was. Um, so I think that's a big one your vendors won't know, how much it costs to keep your things in the warehouse, because they'll wonder why you only want 30 days. Um, explain to that them that, and that's why you can't make you know, a six-month order for products unless you have a place to source, um, store them here. But, but there again, you have to educate your vendors because they don't know this stuff. You know, they, this was a, a CNBC reporter who focuses on small business, and I looked, and a lot of her reporting is on Amazon, and she had no idea that, that we as sellers pay storage fees in Amazon warehouses. And she also thought that we only ship things to one warehouse, and that's it. And I had to explain to her the the whole um, thing about warehouse splits and why Amazon does it and, you know, all of that. So um, I she was very receptive to listening, so hopefully this will be an opening for future conversation to let other people in the business world understand more about how Amazon works for small business sellers like us. So um, I think that covers – let me get my last note out here. I'm going to see if that's my last note. Um, I have some homework for you guys. Um, and that's because this is our last podcast for a couple of weeks because we go on vacation. Um, our yearly get out of the 20 below weather starts pretty soon, um, but we have gotten hotspots for uh, Wi-Fi hotspots for all the countries we're going to visit. Ron has a an old iPhone that he buys a SIM card for every country we visit, so you know we're not out of touch. And we were looking; we're going to Australia, Indonesia, and Singapore, and so I was doing the research, groups places, and he found. Um, a carrier in Australia, you know, for a short term SIM card kind of thing. And he was Googling to find the hotel address and then finding where their closest thing went. And I said, wait a minute, let me just get on chat with the concierge at the hotel. Um, and so I did. And the guy said, oh, no, we, keep, we have those at our concierge desk per sale at the same price as the store so you don't have to go anywhere. And it's like, okay, yeah. The world is changing when when that happens at a hotel. Um, So anyway, so this is our last talk for a bit. Your homework is while I am gone, and I will be checking in because I have all this tech, even on the cruise ship, Wi-Fi, satellite Internet, Yeah, Um, is find one wholesaler, That you have not contacted before and contact them and work through these steps. It doesn't have to be a big account. I'm thinking it doesn't have to be a massively profitable account, but let's get some practice in doing this and walking through the whole steps um, about, you know, well, if they give you pushback, what can you offer them? All of that. Um, I will do this while I'm gone also so I can keep up. but I think, I think really if you put in your calendar to make one new contact every two weeks or at least once a month or once a quarter, depending on where you are in your Amazon journey, having this regular date set to make a contact will really help. You can't just sit and wait for it to fall in your lap. Now mind you, this research is probably going to take a couple of weeks to find the next one because it's not easy research. Um, it's not as simple as, oh, I'm going to Google wholesale art stuff and find something. That isn't going to happen. You're going to have to drill down in niches and be more specific. You know, Do I want um, watercolor painting stuff? Do I want um, uh, topiary products? I mean, you have to be a bit more specific in, in a niche. You can't just say, I'm going to look for scarves to sell. Well, are these going to be... Mass market scarves or are they going to be artisan made scarves you know all that kind of stuff so so your homework is to do this product for a wholesale account um, at this point i wouldn 't even worry about what their minimum orders are. That comes further down the line as far as i 'm concerned, because if you find a great one, we can find a way to meet the minimum order if like like the the one I found um, That ships from the upper Midwest I was talking about earlier Um, they had a a thousand dollar minimum order which in the arts and crafts niche that's a big opening order but I looked at the reviews of their products on on websites that were related to this craft and all that and people loved this stuff and I thought okay if Amazon's come knocking that many times and he's turned turned them away I'm going to find a way to make this minimum order Um, and I did and now I order for them about once a week because the stuff is small, you know, that thousand dollars can come in a large flat rate priority box, you know, that rectangular or the squarish one. Um, so you know, I order once about once a week from them and it's now a thousand dollar orders once a week. It's it's amazing how things can turn. So don't worry about the opening order size, just go through the process. Um, this is great research for when you're sitting around waiting at the dentist's office, which I have to do tomorrow. I have a dentist appointment in the morning. Um, sit there while sitting in the chair, just you know, poking around, Google, looking at products, and all of that. Um, as I said, I don't use sourcing tools because I try to bring products to Amazon. But if you know, just make a note of a company name if you want to use the tools that you have invested in. Um, And then when you get back to your laptop or your desktop, you can go a little further. But keep a list of ideas in Apple Notes, in Evernote, in Reminders. I use Mini Note Pro on my Mac because it syncs really fast to all my devices. um, And it's quick to access, so I keep my notes there. Um, Reminders, Calendar, just write it down. Um, So I'll be checking in as we go through... um, this, this vacation time to see how you guys are doing. Um, but I want you to know that I think you guys have done more in building sustainable Amazon businesses than any other group of people I've seen. Um, I have seen so many people flash in the pans in other groups. You know, They jump in, they, they go hard for three months, and then they're burned out. I can't tell you the number of people who say, I got tired of doing it. Well, yeah, we all get tired of doing it, and they give up. Um, we all get tired. Work is tired. Work is hard. You know, Building your own business is even harder by a bazillion times than getting up in the morning and going to the office. and It's harder because it's all on you. But in the end, the results are all on you, good or bad. And I'm so proud of you guys. What you have accomplished is just amazing. So that said, I'm going to sign off a few minutes early, because you got lots of homework now. Um, we will be in touch in the group today to check and see if you have any um, questions about the homework assignment. And I'm sure we'll come up. I'll have a, a post about um, the details. As you're sitting around in those spare moments, instead of playing um, Candy Crush or Words with Friends. Make notes to yourself about what are your value propositions that you can offer suppliers. What can you do better than anybody else? So you have that ready. So you have the wordage. I have all of it written out in one of those mini note, notes so I can copy and paste it. This is what I offer. Um, and I'm not going to put that in the group because what you offer is different and you have to articulate that yourself. So that said, guys, we're going to sign off for today. Um, stay warm, stay dry if you're in the South. Um, stay safe, and we'll see you in the Facebook group. Bye bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?